Okay, my name is Sam. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am really excited to be with you this morning. Uh, honestly, the, this new series, as I've been processing it, I wasn't super excited. And I thought, well, everyone's going to be mad at me or something like that. And my wife said, Sam, they voted for these questions. I said, oh, you're right. I, I, that's, that's very true. Today, we, um, we answer one of the questions. They, they weren't in order. We did that on purpose. We, uh, we recognized that we needed a, a little bit of kind of organization and planning. But one of the questions that you asked was this. How should political opinions and biblical values affect each other in a divided world? That's a great question. So uh, in 2008, a man named Bill Bishop wrote a book uh, that didn't get a lot of press, but commentators and academics began picking it up and engaging with it. It was a book called The Big Sort. Bishop was a journalist who had recently moved to Texas, and he had been writing about the way that different groups of people voted. And one of the things that he noticed was that when you went back and you looked at the voting records at the county level, there were fewer red or blue counties. I mean, you, you probably know now, right, that when they call an election, they say, well, we don't even have to wait for that county if that, that county is going to be a blue county. We don't have to wait for that county. That county is going to be a red county. And he said, no, 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 that wasn't the way it always was. There was a, a time where people weren't sure what, um, people weren't sure. Hey, guys, did everything just die with this video? I, I don't know, Jaden. It all died, he said. Okay, he's working on it. Uh, there are a bunch of Bible verses that I want you to be able to see, and hopefully we'll be able to see them. If not, we'll just talk about them, and you guys uh, will have a, a little homework to do this afternoon. So, Bill Bishop recognized that, um, uh, this is just me recognizing that when we put the budget together next year, we probably need a new computer for the pro presenter. That's all that's going on right now in my head. Bill Bishop recognized that people began self-selecting into communities where they didn't have to interact with people that they didn't agree with. That they spent most of their day around people that thought like them, that talked like them, that voted like them. And what he realized was that this was tearing our country apart. Does it feel that way? Does it feel like politically we're kind of just kind of pulled and stretched and you don't want to say certain things? You're a little bit nervous when you go to Thanksgiving dinner that someone's going to bring something up that to the right or to the left or wherever, there's going to be this tension and this aggression and you don't want to deal with it, you don't want to process it. Maybe you've had a loved one that you don't talk to anymore. Maybe you had folks that you grew up with and you were friends with them on Facebook just to see pictures of their kids and, and now you, you, you've blocked them. It seems like we are living in a divided moment. And so here's what we're going to do today. If you're, if you're keeping track online and um, online. If you're keeping track anywhere, uh, we're going to have this is the outline. 
We're going to talk about the background for this question, and then we're going to talk about those three options that are available to us when it comes to political opinions and biblical values. And then at the end, we're going to look at the way that forward in Jesus. Hint, hint. Now, in part, we would say, yes, the world feels more divided. That question said, in a divided world, but we probably heard in our heads a more divided world. At least that's how I heard it when I heard the question. How do we deal with biblical values and political opinions in a more divided world? But I'll be honest, I'm not sure if the world is actually more divided. Because division is not a new invention. It's not something that the 21st century just came up with. In fact, tragically, you can go back to the very beginning of the Bible. You can go back to Genesis 3, you can go back to Genesis 4, and you will see there that division is the second oldest story that we have. That we find a story of two brothers, Cain and Abel. Both worship God. Both farmers. One tending to livestock, the other tending to crops. And yet division creeps in so aggressively that one kills the other. The first murder we have recorded in the history of the world. Division is not a new problem, it turns out. And I wish I could say, and, and that's the last conflict in the Bible for the next 8,000 years or something like that. But it's not. You flip a few chapters and a few chapters and a few chapters, and all along the way there's division. And it's not a Bible problem, and you say, oh, see, it's the Bible's problem. No, it's a, it's a human problem, because if we zoom out and we zoom back in on any point in human history, and you say, what was the major turning point? What was the major reason for this? The answer is probably conflict. The answer is probably some sort of tribal, of political, of economic division. That division, honestly, is so common. It is so prevalent in our world that it almost could be said that the human story is actually painted on the canvas of division. That this is our story. It is played out through division over and over and over again. Now, that doesn't mean that things don't feel more divided. I, I want to say that. They, they do, right? I mean, just in the wider culture, they feel more divided. And we can say, well, why? And, and maybe it's because conflict and division makes a lot of money. It turns out that division sells really, really well. And we keep buying it. And so they keep selling it. It could be because we all have these little magic bricks in our pockets now that give us access to infinite amounts of information. Infinite amounts of information. Do you have an infinite amount of time to sort through it all? I don't. And so what do we do? 
Well, God gave us a brain that looks for patterns and looks for codes and tries to categorize and sort things out. And so we start to look for ways to filter out information so that we can only engage with certain things. We look for key phrases. We look for codes. We look for hashtags. We look for certain references, certain sources that we'll listen to or we won't listen to. That happens in the Bible, too. I'm sorry, that happens in the church, too. We do this inside of the church. Let's play a little game, okay? I'm going to put up two Bible verses on the screen. And I, you don't have to answer, <laughs> but I want you to ask yourself, which Bible verse do you like better? Which Bible verse are you a little bit more comfortable with? Which Bible verse are you more likely to share on social media? Are you ready? If a man will not work, he shall not eat. Or, the fallow ground of the poor would yield much food, but it is swept away through injustice. I'm sure that we all have a, at least even, we say, oh no, they're both the Bible, and I, but I'm sure that there's probably one verse that we gravitate towards a little bit more than the other. This is a problem that we have inside of the church. And it happens when we fail to understand the necessary relationship between biblical values and political opinions. And so what we're going to do today is see the three options for how we see interactions between biblical values and political opinions. Option one, politics over the Bible. Now, probably most of you here would say, oh, no, 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 we don't we don't need to talk about that one. That one's honestly not really a, a, a thing, is it, for us? M most of us would say, no, 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 the, the, the Bible shouldn't be, be in submission to our politics. But let me just say what I mean by that. I mean that you, you start with your political opinions on a given topic, and then you go to the Bible looking to confirm what your politics have already told you were right. Or... Maybe you just avoid certain passages. Maybe you just don't deal with certain things that make you feel uncomfortable. You just say, ah, you know, God has a lot of mysteries in the Bible, and so I'm going to go to the clear passages that happen to agree with everything that I already believed, and I'm going to leave all those confusing parts out. <laughs> Listen to me. If we do that, if we let political opinions lead. It's not just that they're going to lead biblical truth. It's that they are going to drag biblical truth through the mud. And we probably see this around us, but the Bible warns us of putting our trust in, in politics over and against God. This is from Psalm 146. It says, put not your trust in princes, in the Son of Man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Put not your trust in princes, because as soon as they're gone, their promises are gone. 
Put not your trust in politicians because as soon as they are voted out of office, their promises are gone just as quickly. See, we can't let political opinions sit over our biblical values. Now, this might, I, I, I honestly, for, for 18 months, have tried to keep a lid on my political views because I, I think we have lots of folks who have lots of views here, and, and I don't want people to think, oh, Sam's on our team or Sam's not on our team. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up a little bit, <laughs> and I'm going to tell you the, the closest thing to a hot take that you'll get from me today. Are you ready? I absolutely, absolutely hate it. Hate, hate, hate. When politicians, blue or red, green or purple, I do not care. When politicians take the Bible and quote it out of context for their purposes. When they do that, they are putting their politics over the Bible. Just as clearly as Thomas Jefferson did when he tore pages out of the Bible that he didn't like. But brought things out of context that this, this feels good still. I hate it. Like I said, I don't care the political team that does it. It makes me nuts. But what grieves me is when you watch videos of politicians doing that and people cheer. God's word crinkled up and twisted to conform to something that makes absolutely no sense, used in absolutely destructive ways. It grieves me. And so let's be honest, political option number one here, that politics is over the Bible, we got to scratch that out. And so what's option number two? Well, option number two is that the Bible and politics are in balance. And that sounds maybe more reasonable to some of us. We say, yeah, 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 that's, I mean, let's be honest, this is an ancient book, right? This is old, this is timeless, but there are modern problems that we have to deal with, right? And so, yeah, the, this, this ancient book and, and, and modern politics, they need to be balanced in the moment. That makes a lot of sense, I think. It, it makes more sense, at least, I'll say it that way. I recently heard a, a politician give advice to pastors. It's a pastor's favorite thing to hear advice about how they should be pastors from politicians. And he said, pastors, what you should do is you should preach with the Bible in one hand and the Constitution in the other. As if to say, God's holy and perfect word can be equally matched by any human document. That they are balanced, that they are equal, that they are about the same. That's just not true. It would be wrong for us to think that that was true. Now, Jesus... He is talking about money in the passage we're going to look at in a second, but I think it would apply to this as well. Jesus says this. He says, No one can serve two masters, for he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. It just does not work. You cannot say that the Bible and politics are balanced. The same way that you can't say 
that two people are steering a car at the same time driving down the highway. Unless you have really good insurance and don't really like your car. Biblical values cannot be balanced with political opinions. They just can't be. Because here's why. Biblical truth is unchanging and political opinions are in constant flux. They are changing all of the time. If you don't believe me, think about how culture has been interacting with Elon Musk and the Tesla automobile company. For years, Tesla was considered uh, right, an electric car company, the, the, the most popular one, and therefore the status symbol uh, of progressives who wanted to change energy and politics and all of that. It was the status symbol of the up-and-coming left. <laughs> and then Elon Musk says, I'm going to buy Twitter, and I'm going to open it back up. And then all of a sudden, Fox News is talking about how much they love Tesla and Elon Musk. I don't say that to pick on either one of them. I say that to say, just think about how much that one subject that doesn't matter to almost any of us shifts back and forth so quickly. And if you put something really precious like your own heart, like your own faith, like your own family on something that is going to shift that much, it's going to fall. So I, I think we have to say option two is also out for us. We can't balance political opinions and biblical values. It's just not possible. And so it's option three. The Bible over politics. The Bible over politics. Now, in the ancient world, at the time of Jesus, political power was not shared everywhere, at least in, in the whole region that the Bible it kind of exists in. In the Roman Empire, it was held absolutely by the Romans, with their capital being the city of Rome itself. The heart of political power, the city of Rome, with the emperor himself residing there, and being believed by the Roman government to be the representative of God himself. And somehow in God's... God has a sense of humor, even if he's not always like snap, you know, snapping the drums on the punchline. Because God puts a church in that city, one of the first churches in the city of Rome, in the heart of that political empire. And he says to the church there this phrase in Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Because there was a lot of pressure to conform, to fit in, to say the right things, to act the right way. 
And so Paul, when he was writing this letter, knew that he had to urge the church, do not give in to that social pressure that makes you think that it will be easier for you to act like everybody else and believe like everyone else and be conformed, be shaped, be molded by the society around you. There is going to be a lot of pressure, not just then, but even now, to fit. Sometimes I imagine it like there are, there are two people standing out in the rain. It's, it's the perfect illustration for this kind of morning with umbrellas. And one businessman's got a bright red umbrella and one's got a bright blue umbrella. And you want to get out of the rain. And so they say, just say the right things, just believe the right things, just do the right things, and there's plenty of space under this umbrella. Paul says, it's better to get wet than to throw out your biblical principles. It's better to be standing out in God's reign than to feel as if you have to change and comply. See, when the Bible leads... The Bible has to lead. And when the Bible leads, you're going to have to, you're going to find yourself in moments where, honestly, you feel uncomfortable, where you're not going to perfectly fit with the folks who are in the majority right now or the folks who are in the very large minority right now. And that's going to feel odd. It's going to feel uncomfortable. Uh, a few years ago, I, oh, it didn't come up right. I'm sorry, guys. That's a bummer. A few years ago, um, uh, well, I'll try to explain it to you. <laughs> I, I drew this little illustration to, to explain what I was, what, what kind of I understood this to mean that um, I want you to imagine these paths, right? Oh, there it is. Thanks, guys. Um, and culture is just kind of moving all over the place, right? And it's not that just, just one culture is moving, but cultures are moving. And sometimes, right, there's the majority culture that zigs, and so then everybody else zags. And they say, if they're over there, we're going to be over there. And cultures are just kind of moving back and forth. And yet, Scripture is constant. And God's call on His people is constant. And so we're called to be obedient to Scripture. We are not called to follow the path that culture has set down. Which means that there are going to be moments where, according to Scripture, you are on the far side of 